0: Well, good morning, Encounter Church. It's such a joy to be with one another this morning. Hey, my name is Kyle, and I serve as the youth director here at Encounter Church, and I just love the moments and opportunities when we get to be together as a church family. Hey, if this is your very first time with us, uh, again, I just wanna extend a special welcome to you and know that we are delighted to have you as our guests today. Uh, As we dive in, I wanna say what's up and welcome all of those who are joining us us online. We are thankful that you are with us as well. Um, I'm super excited this morning because uh, today I get to launch into part two of our current message series titled Neighbors and Nations. Uh, Last week when we kicked off the series, we laid a foundation saying that if we want to have intimacy with God, We've gotta care about the things that God cares about. And so we looked at the scriptures and we found that it's overwhelmingly overwhelmingly clear that God cares for people. Uh, He cares for all people, both locally and globally. God loves people that are made in his image, people that he died to save. We said it like this. We said, God loves our neighbors and the nations. And if we want to have intimacy with him, we too must care for our neighbors and for the nations. So in part one, we took a look at Jesus' teaching on what it looks like to be a good neighbor. And we found that to be the neighbor that reflects the heart and the compassion of Jesus is simply one who sees those in need and they step in and they have the compassion to help. Uh, We talked about how neighbor love knows no boundaries. When neighbor love sees a need, it fills a need, and that is the heart and compassion of Jesus. And today, I'm excited that we get to look at God's desire for the nations. You know, as I've been following Jesus uh, for quite some time, here's what I have found to be true. God loves West Michigan. I mean, what's not to love, right? Right? God loves West Michigan. He loves the people in West Michigan who when they say they're going on vacation, uh, they actually just mean that they're throwing a tent and some hot dogs in the back of a pickup and they're headed two hours north. Anyone, that's your vacation? two people. Okay, awesome. That's your vacation. Uh God also loves the people in West Michigan who uh on the 4th of July cookout, they find themselves at the checkout line at Meyer for the third time in a row. Yeah, we've got some hands raised. Uh also, just to clarify, it's Meyer, not Myers. There's no S there, people. I looked at the sign. I'm getting some thumbs down. The sign, there's no S. Anyway, this is not about me. I got a thumbs up. Thank you, sir. Um, God loves the people of West Michigan who, like me, say I don't love the winters, but I can't imagine life without Pronto Pubs at Grand Haven and sunsets on Holland State Parch Beach, right? Like, those are amazing. God loves the people of West Michigan. You know who God loves just as much? as the people in West Michigan, the people in the Philippines, right? God loves the children in the Philippines who wake up in the morning, they grab their backpack, and they're headed off to school, hoping that they will return with their friend's birthday party invitation to McDonald's. God loves the people in the Philippines. You know who God loves just as much as the people in the Philippines? The people in Nepal. God loves, his heart is filled with compassion when he thinks about the people in Nepal, the 81% of the people there that identify as Hindu. God's heart is filled with compassion when he thinks about the people in Nepal who just because of the family that they were born into, society looks at them, they have a caste system, society looks at them and says they are unclean, they are untouchable. God is filled with compassion when he thinks about those people. You know who else God has compassion for and who he loves? The people of Ukraine. Uh, God loves the people in Ukraine who in February of this year, they had to make so many difficult decisions and realize that life was never going to be the same. God's heart was grieved when he saw mothers and fathers who had to send their kids away to live with relatives to find safety while they would take up arms and defend their country. God cares for the people in Ukraine. You know, here's what I know to be true about God. God desires to bless the nations. And here's what I believe to be true about you is that you long to see the world become a better place. You long to see a world where every child has a home. You long to see a world where people are not judged by the color of their skin. You long to see a world where children have food on their plate for dinner each and every single night. You long to see a world where people don't have to travel miles and miles and carry jugs just to find clean water. You care and you long to see a world where every single person has the opportunity to live out their dream, to fail and to try again. You long to see the world become a better place. And listen, you don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to want those things, but stick around to the end. We're going to see what Jesus has to say about that. You long to see the world become a better place, but, but it's hard to Care for those things, right? When when you've just gone through a full day at work and you come home and you see your second full-time job waiting for you right in the doorway right, Uh, like you walk in and dinner doesn't just cook itself, and so as you're boiling the noodles, you're picking up the mess that the babysitter just didn't see, and after dinner, you rush the kids outside, you have some outside fun, and then it's in the bathtub, right, you get them scrubbed up, you get them clean, you get them tucked into bed, say your prayers, and you finally have time for yourself, you hit the couch, and you are tired, anyone know what I'm talking about, anyone, okay, we've got a few. And you're like, I don't have the emotional capacity to care about what's going on around the world. I don't even know if I have enough energy to care about what's happening tomorrow. Uh, Or maybe you're you're scrolling on social media and it's just bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. There's a hurricane, there's a tornado, uh, there's an earthquake, there's a mass shooting, uh, there's war, and it is just bad news information overload and you just shut down or maybe at some point in your life you were engaged in something around the world but you got distracted and maybe it wasn't even a bad distraction maybe it was a good thing Uh, maybe you got married or you had a child or you uh, found a new career and that good thing just kind of sidetracked you and you're no longer engaging in that thing that you were once participating in or maybe you tried and it just didn't work out uh, one of my former students, uh, he went on a global missions trip. This, this was his first one. And as they landed in the capital city, uh, they saw that there were riots that were breaking out in the capital city. And within a few days, they had to turn around and go right back home. I mean, talk about a waste of time and a waste of church resources, right? Like, that didn't work out. But you know who else it didn't seem to work out for? This guy named Abraham. And it's actually through this guy named Abraham that God sought to fulfill his desire to bless the nations. Uh, To capture all of this, uh, we have to go back to the very, very, very beginning. Right In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth and everything in the earth, and he calls it good. And then God creates man and woman, he creates Adam and Eve, and they exist with God in the garden, and they exist in perfect harmony and perfect peace, and all is good. And then man and woman do the very thing that God told them not to do. They take the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then sin enters the world. And as sin enters the world, the cosmos is fractured. Relationship with God is fractured. And while God's heart is grieved by this, God's heart also puts a plan in motion to reconcile and restore. And that plan includes blessing all of the nations that would come to be. Uh, We pick up this plan in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. So if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to follow along. We're a phone-friendly church, so feel free to have your phone out and follow along that way. The words are going to be up on the screen as well. So here we go. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, who would soon become Abraham, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples, somebody say all peoples. All peoples or all nations on earth will be blessed through you. In the world of biblical scholarship, we refer to this as the Abrahamic covenant. And what this basically means is that God, in his design, he wanted to bless Abraham and his family in such a profound way that they would be an extension or a blessing to the neighbors and to the nations. Right? God wanted to bless Abraham and his descendants. So as they are going about life, people, people groups of every language, tribe, and nation, they would look to Abraham and his family, and be like, what, What's going on there? Why are you so blessed? What God do you serve? And as a result of that, God would invite the nations to know that Yahweh is a good God who is worth being followed. So this is what part of that blessing looks like. We find it in Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. We'll have it on the screen. It says this. He took him outside, God took Abraham outside, and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. In the time of Abraham, you were universally considered blessed if you had kids, if you had offspring. And so that's the plan, okay? That's the plan. But there's something that's kind of getting in the way. And namely, Abraham and Sarah, they don't have any kids, so this idea of God blessing them and their family to be a blessing to the nations, well, that's starting to seem like a far-fetched idea when Abraham looks at his campsite and he doesn't see any kids running around. And not only doesn't he see kids running around, Sarah, she, she is well past her years of childbearing. And so God is, or Abraham is looking at his life like, God, what, what, are, you, what are you doing here? I wonder if you've ever been in Abraham's or Sarah's shoes. Uh, you thought you had received a promise or something from God, and you're looking at your life, and you're like, "God, do you see what I see right now? What 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 are you going to do about this?" And before they knew it, within a blink of an eye, another twenty-five years has gone by, and still no kid. God, what are you? What are you going to do? But God. <laughs> but God. In Genesis chapter 18, Abraham and Sarah, they receive word from the Lord that Sarah will conceive and give birth to a son. Uh, I love this. When she receives this word, guess what she does? She laughs. She's like, "A child. Do you know how old I am, God? I wish I could have seen that conversation. I feel like that would have been very entertaining. But she laughs. She's like, do you see our current situation? But sure enough, God gives them a child and God gave, or gives him the name Isaac. And after the initial shock wears off, uh, they consider it a blessing and they rejoice because one, they have a child, but two, God's promise to bless the nations, well, that promise is back on track. And so they celebrate and they rejoice. But is Abraham gonna see it? Is he gonna see God's promise be fulfilled in his lifetime? Abraham is 75 years old in Genesis chapter 12 when God comes to him and gives him the promise. He's 100 years old when his son Isaac is born. And now Abraham is 175 years old and he's on his deathbed. And his eyes are getting weak, and his breathing is getting slow. And what does he see through his weak eyes? He sees his family, his kids. I mean, surely he was a blessed man. But what doesn't he see? He doesn't see the nations. While he knows he's a blessed man, he knows that the promise of God has yet to be fulfilled and Abraham takes his last breath. You know, what I've learned in my 30 years on this earth is sometimes the best hopes, the best dreams, the best aspirations, sometimes they just don't come true, do they? Right? They may even be well-intended, but for some reason or another, life just steals it away. And sometimes when we keep the pen of our lives in our own hands, we are tempted to write a period, to close the chapter, and to put the book away. But can I tell you that when you put the pen of your life in God's hands, where you are tempted to write a period, God writes a comma. Because there's more to the story. Because for Abraham, the promise still stands. You know, this isn't in my notes, but I just want to go ahead and say it. Maybe you're in the room this morning and you're like, Kyle, I've received a promise from Jesus a long, long time ago, but I'm looking at my life and it's bare. Circumstances are tough. Doesn't look like it's gonna happen. Can I tell you the promise still stands? Can I tell you that Jesus does not forget what he has declared and promised in your life? The promise still stands. And for Abraham, that promise continues because God would prove to be faithful even though a generation would pass. God writes a comma. Okay, here's what I want to do. Uh, this is a little bit different. I haven't done this before. Um, so we're going to see how this goes. I want to have like a kind of like a Bible geek speed round. Is that okay? Can we do that with one another? Okay, perfect, Bible Geek speed round because what I wanna do is just for a moment, I wanna trace this theme of nations, this thread of nations throughout the Old Testament and then we're gonna land and see what Jesus has to say about it. Can we do it, Bible Geek speed round? All right, let's do it. In Genesis chapter 26, we see the promise being passed from Abraham to Isaac. In Genesis chapter 28, we see the promise being passed from Isaac Isaac to Jacob, Uh, and then in the time of Joseph, we see the Israelites, they're in bondage and slavery in Egypt for a long, long time. And then in Exodus, God, what does he do? He comes to Moses, he says, hey, the covenant that I had with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm passing that on to you. It's time to go rescue the Israelites and bring them into the promised land. Okay, so that happens, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and on, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments and the other righteous laws, and the idea here was this, is that if you live by these laws, you will be blessed and you will showcase to the nations that God is good and he is worth being followed. Okay, keep going, First Chronicles chapter 16, David says that the nations should come and be allowed to worship God. When you look at the Psalms, it is full of nations. Nations, 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 nations. Read it, it's really good, okay? And then we got Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah proclaimed that it was Israel's task to be the messengers of salvations to where? The nations. Okay, two more. Amos chapter nine, God declared to Israel that God loves all nations, not just them. He's like, this story, it's not just about you, it's about everyone. And then finally, in uh, Malachi chapter one, God says that his name will be great among the nations. Listen, throughout the Bible, in the translation that we're looking at, the NIV, guess how many times nations is referenced? Five hundred and sixty four times. Do you think God is trying to say something? What God is trying to say is, my heart is for the nations. I want to bless the nations. I want to restore the nations, redeem the nations, be in relationship with the nations. Do you think Jesus is gonna say anything different? Let's check it out, Matthew chapter 28. This is uh, Jesus after he's been raised from the dead. He has this moment with his disciples. This is what Jesus says. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. And make disciples, what does that say? All nations. nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Hear me. You and I are in this room today and watching online because God remained faithful to his promise to bless the nations Can't you see, we're part of the promise, we're part of the fruit of that, right? When Jesus goes to his disciples, he says, hey, I want you to go to the ends of the earth and preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Can't you see, we are the ends of the earth. We are evident that God is faithful in this. And so Jesus looks at you and I who have received this message and says, go and do likewise, go to all nations and proclaim the good news. We are evidence of God's faithfulness. Okay, there's one more scripture that I want to show, and this this is amazing. God's promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, guess what happens? It comes true. Check this out. John records this vision in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. He says, and they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood, this is talking about Jesus, you purchased for God people from every tribe and language and people and nation. You know how I said that with God? Sometimes we wanna put a period there and he puts a comma. That's what he did for Abraham. And one day, Abraham, he's gonna be in heaven's throne room and he's gonna look around. He's like, God, you did it. (laughs) You did it. God, I see people from every tribe and language and nation. God, you kept true to your promise. Here are the nations. God desires to bless the nations. You long to see the world become a better place. Listen, I look at my newsfeed just like you look at yours. And it's overwhelming, isn't it? Right, uh, children don't have food. Families don't have clean water. Uh, villages don't have access to basic medical supplies. There are people groups around the world who have no access to the gospel. And if we're honest, it's overwhelming. And sometimes when we hear about that or when we see that, sometimes because that need is not right in front of us, sometimes what we end up saying is, well, someone else can take care of that. Doesn't have to be me. I've said it. I'm guessing if you're like me, you've said it too. But church, may we not turn a blind eye. May we not turn a blind eye. Because here's what I know. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. When it comes to the need globally, and it's a lot, we can't do everything, can we? (laughs) But we can do something. There is something that you and I can do to partner with Jesus in his heart for the nations. You've got a prayer life. Use it. Uh, Maybe after our worship experience today, maybe you go home and Google an unreached people group and you begin to pray that God would bring the gospel there. And you never know, maybe God's gonna use you to do something about it. You've got financial resources, use it. Uh, Maybe this week you don't buy three $6 lattes at Starbucks, but instead you use that money to partner with someone from Encounter who's participating in Team World Vision to bring water to people who don't have clean water. right? I can't think of a better way to spend our money. And if you still need the latte, you can come to Encounter Church, we'll hook you up with a free latte and it'll be good to see you. right? But you've got a voice, hear me. Everyone in this room, if you're just going into middle school or you've been walking with Jesus for a long, long time, you have a voice, use it. Use your voice to draw awareness to the circle of influence around you that God's heart is for the nations. Hear me, we all can't do everything, but we can do something. And imagine what would happen if we locked arms and we all did our something together. Imagine what would happen. I think great things would happen and I think things would happen that would shock us. In fact, I guarantee that would happen. Now, how can I be so confident? Because it's already happening here at Encounter. Jesus is already doing this through the people of our church. You know, one of the values that we have here at Encounter, we say we multiply both locally and globally. And so what I want to do for the remainder of our time, I want to highlight three of the families that are within our church who are doing things around the world, what God is doing through their family. And I just think this is so, so cool. And I don't share these stories uh, to like put these families on a pedestal because they wouldn't want that. But I just wanna give us a view of what what could happen if we go to God and say, God, what is my something? And we all engage in that together. Here's what Jesus might do. Uh, You know these families, we're gonna have their pictures up on a screen. So, I talked with them this week, and they said that I could share their story um, on their behalf. Okay, so first, I want to introduce you to the Devets. Dan and Grace, along with their three pretty awesome kids, they attend our Fulton Heights location, and they have chosen to partner with God's heart for the people in the Philippines. Okay, this is what Grace writes I was born and raised in the Philippines. And it's in the Philippines that Jesus found me and saved me. At one point in my life, I needed surgery that I could not afford. Being a single mother of three in a third world country like the Philippines is a whole new level of difficult. All I could do was pray to God that he would help me. And he did. I felt God was telling me that a friend would help me. That friend was Dan, who is now my husband, exclamation point. After the surgery, I received my medical reimbursement check, about $180, and I asked God what he wanted me to do with the money. I was really looking forward to buying groceries, but the nudge of the Holy Spirit was strong. Just like Dan helped me when I was in need, I was sensing that God was asking me to help others around me who were in need. And so that's what I did. I invited my friends from different walks of life to help me out. We gathered used clothes, cooked meals, and bought basic hygiene kits to give to a homeless community who lived downtown in the city where I grew up. Truthfully, that act of obedience started a spark, a ripple, something that changed our lives forever. And since that day, we continue to look for opportunities to help people in the Philippines, to speak the love of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, through listening to their stories and by helping with their immediate needs. That's the Devets. The next story that I want to share with you is from the Maharjans Satya and Prasha along with their three beautiful children they attend here at our Kentwood location you guys know them they have chosen to partner with God's missionary heart for Nepal Uh, this is what Satya writes Nepal is where we were born and raised we came from Hindu Buddhist families We were converts who have lived experience of practicing rituals and worshiping false gods and goddesses in hope of redemption of our sins. The 81% of the total population is Hindu. They need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. There's so much caste discrimination that the so-called lower caste or untouchables have no religious and social standing. The so-called higher caste in the caste system considers these people untouchable or unclean. Only the gospel can set them free from the yoke of that social and religious oppression. By God's grace, I'm going to plant a church in the hearts of the capital city. It's one of the most densely populated cities and a hub as people from all parts of the country come for school in search of job opportunities and medical treatment. And they share that they're excited to partner with Encounter for what Jesus is going to do in that in Nepal. Lastly, I want to share with you about the Manians. Uh, Alex and Katya, along with their three beautiful children, attend our Fulton Heights location. And they have chosen to partner with God's heart for the people of Ukraine. This is what Alex writes. Katya was born and raised in Ukraine. I spent three years there working with local churches. We still have so many friends, family and relatives living there. So when the war broke out in February, it just made sense to utilize our contacts to coordinate and provide aid for those most in need. The total amount raised and distributed was, get this, $45,000. It's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Various churches and people within West Michigan gave financially toward this cause, including the people of Encounter Church. A lot of the financial support was raised, went out to single mothers, to children and orphans. And we were able to provide them with uh, basic supplies such as diapers, formula, drinking water and food, as well as helping to coordinate evacuations to safer areas of Ukraine or neighboring countries I love what Alex writes here, and I think this captures the heart. Jesus calls us to help the helpless. That was our greatest need. Church, God desires to bless the nations. Five hundred and sixty-four times, it's clear. And you long to see the world become a better place. Together, we can make a difference. What might happen, knowing that we can't do it all, if we all went to God today and said, God, what's my something? What's my something that I can give? And what if we did what God was asking us to do? Imagine what would happen around the world. Imagine, the stories that would continue that these families are writing, what God is doing in those families. Man, I'd love to see a day when we can just further that impact. I'd love to see a day when when more people of Encounter Church are raised up and sent out among the nations to declare the greatest message of all time. And here's what I know, there is not one single person in this room that can do it all. Listen, I don't care how good you are, I don't care how educated you are, how many degrees you have, how smart you are, how much experience you have, no one can do it by themselves. But together, as we link arms, as we walk hand in hand and rely on God's power and God's grace and provision, imagine what would happen. God's desires to bless the nations. You long to see the world become a better place. Together, in Counter Church, we can make a difference. Let's make a difference. Amen. I invite you to stand. We're going to close. On your way out, you're going to receive this card. So the three families that I talked about, the Devets, the Maharjans, and the Manians, as I talked with them this week, they gave me their prayer requests. And so as you go out today, I hope you'll grab one. And here's what I would love to invite you to do is that when you go home, put this on your dinner table. And for one week, when you and your household gather for dinner, just begin to pray. Begin to pray for the needs. I know you don't know these people that are maybe in these other countries that are being impacted, but you know these families and you know God knows them and you know God's heart is for the nation. So join God's heart in praying for the provision and for the grace to be poured out on these families. Imagine what we could do if we do it together. Jesus, we thank you for our time together today. Jesus, we leave here and we are convinced that your heart is for our neighbors, but that your heart is also for the nations. God, you have compassion and you love every single person from every tribe and every language and every tongue and every nation. And when we gather around the throne room, it will come true that all nations will worship you. But today, there's still work to be done. So God, give us the capacity and the courage and the compassion to partner with you in your missional heart for the nations. God, as we've highlighted the stories of the Devets, the Maharjans and the Manians, we do pray for provision in their lives, that their impact around the world would deepen and deepen and deepen. And God, I pray that you would call people up from Encounter Church to further make an impact around the nations. God, that you would send out people to proclaim the greatest message of all time. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. We praise you. We exalt you. And we give you all the worship. In Jesus' name, together we said, amen. Hey, church. It's our sincere prayer that this message was able to help you find new life in Christ. And if you did find it helpful, would you consider donating to help drive this ministry forward? And don't forget, there's no substitute for doing life together. So find a worship experience. Join a small group or a serving team today. You can do all this at encounterchurch.org.